Welcome to the Freaking Geeks Podcast, the flagship podcast of Freaking Geeks Media. In this podcast, hosts Michael, Sarah, and Barry crank the geekiness to 11, covering everything from movies and television to pop culture, video games, books, and so much more. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The podcast is produced each week, so feel free to add us to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. The links will be in the show notes. Okay, now it's time to start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me is my co-host, Sarah. Hello, geeks. All right, so we are here to review... Well, the one that started it all, the the movie that uh, nobody knew at the time was really going to kick off the Marvel MCU, the juggernaut that it is today, um, the behemoth that um, <laughs> really is, I mean, it's this, it's a central driving force each year in movies. So this little movie about a second tier character um, in, you know, the Marvel uh, list of, of heroes, it suddenly goes on to become a critical and commercial sensation. And oh my god, yeah! And it sets up um, this whole storyline, which has resulted in you know twenty what twenty movie nineteen movies, uh, almost twenty movies, I think. Uh, I yeah, think like it, at least like one or two years since this came out. And this was like eleven years ago, so easily about twenty. Yeah, and it's. Uh, Ultimately, um, it's led to the Infinity, you know, uh, war saga that we're kind of in, uh, dealing with here. When uh, we get the next movie coming up here, uh, we just had Captain Marvel, and the the second part of this uh, this uh, the Avengers, yeah, the um, Avengers and Infinity War. Yeah, this is gonna be the end game coming up. Yeah, it's in uh, Avengers uh, Endgame. It's gonna wrap all this up, and this all started with Iron Man. So this is gonna be kind of amazing. Yeah, it is. I mean, in retrospect, it's um, it's a more impressive. When this came out, it was just a really good movie. Now, comic book fans, you know, that have been reading comics for years, after you got to like the end credit sequence, you. Uh, if they hadn't picked up on it already, which a lot of them had, but when you get to the end credit sequence with Nick Fury talking to Tony Stark, that's what set everything in motion. Yeah, that's what really like it was a fantastic movie, but that like end sequence was what like ignited the fire. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's a very smart move to add that into because they could have, you know, if they wasn't going to go anywhere, they wasn't going to make money. They didn't have to pursue it. But the fact that it, you know, was so popular, made so much money, it's like, well, I guess this is where we're going, and it just, boy, it led down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yes, it did. Uh, all right, so this is actually our 150th episode that we've done. Oh my god, that's crazy. Yeah. Yes. What? We've done 150 episodes. Uh, that does include, by the way, the um, Stranger Things episodes that we we've done. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so it's uh, you know because that those are folded in, but you know. It's 150 episodes, and what better way to get to 150 and uh, than to do Iron Man? So Iron Man came out in 2008. It came out actually May 2nd of 2008. It was written by four writers, Mark Fergus, Hawk Osby, Art Markham, and Matt Holloway. 
And so everyone has interesting names. Like yeah, they do. Ostby. <laughs> yeah, Ostby, Hawk Ostby, uh, Art Markham. So uh, it was directed by John Favreau with a runtime of two hours and six minutes, a budget of $140 million, box office $318.4 million domestic, which is very impressive, $266.7 million foreign for a $585.1 million global haul. And, and that might seem a bit puny these days. Um, I don't know exactly what that would translate into today's dollars. I don't know, maybe like 700 million, maybe a little more than 700 million. But um, you got to remember, as we were just talking about, you know, this was something that nobody could foretell. I mean, big Marvel movies now come out and they make gargantuan sums of money because over time it created this universe and this following. This following. And more and more people have fallen in love with the movies and therefore getting to a billion, a billion dollars is not as a big of a deal as it used to be, right? So – and this this whole thing is started by Iron Man. So to have almost $600 million is is a very big deal, especially as I said with a, a second-tier hero. You know, a lot of people outside of comic book fans had no idea really what who Iron Man was. Maybe they heard of Iron Man once or twice in general, but they didn't know anything about him. So, I sure um, didn't. Yeah. And so uh, it stars Robert Downey Jr., Gwyneth Paltrow, Jeff Bridges, uh, Greg Clark, and Samuel L. Jackson. Um, big, big names. Yeah. Yeah. It's big names. And oh, and it also, it also stars uh, Terrence Howard as well. Yeah. So uh, before we get into our one-sentence review, let's talk about uh, the fact that the Stranger Things trailer just dropped today. Now, you and I just recorded a breakdown and a discussion. Yeah, we really delved deep into this trailer. Yeah, it's like 45 minutes of uh, <laughs> Stranger Things Season 3 trailer discussion. So I'm just going frame by frame. <laughs> pretty much. And, and so we're not going to go into detail here. We're not going to... Uh, rehash everything just to say that it's an excellent trailer and if you want to hear us yammer on about it for quite some time then uh, check out that episode so and check out the trailer and check out the trailer so all right so one sentence review so sarah give me your one sentence review for iron man all right i had written that iron man is incredibly entertaining with dialogue that hits the best marks alongside of the enigmatic character that is Robert Downey Jr., who perfectly complements the character of Iron Man. Okay. Uh, mine is uh, the template for many Marvel superhero movies that would follow. Iron Man stands as one of the best due to an excellent cast, ad-libbed dialogue, and a well-told hero's journey storyline for both Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. himself. Very, very true. <laughs> All right. And the lines he's ever ad-libbed? A lot of the dialogue was ad-libbed because um, the script itself was not finished when they started filming. Oh so so uh, a lot of Tony's lines are ad-libbed. Or actually like Robert Downey Jr. just, just doing things on the fly. Exactly. That's awesome. So uh, the plot synopsis is uh, – Billionaire industrialist and genius inventor Tony Stark is kidnapped and forced to build a devastating weapon. Instead, using his intelligence and ingenuity, Tony builds a high-tech suit of armor and escapes captivity. 
When he uncovers a nefarious plot with global implications, he dons his powerful armor and vows to protect the world as Iron Man. Yeah, that's pretty on point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. Um, all right, so let's let's talk about this movie. Um, but before we get into the particulars about the script and, and the plot and everything, what what did you think when you saw this movie for the first time? And when did you see Iron Man? I'm pretty sure I saw it in the theaters. I think I I was um, 17 at the time. Uh, pretty sure. So I went probably with my folks. Um, and I'm pretty sure I enjoyed it. Like I didn't. Yeah, I had no idea of this comic book world, but everyone was talking about this movie. So of course, I went to see it and just thought it was you know, highly entertaining. And I really. I really dug the kind of assholishness of his character that's also accompanied by this, you know, really funny, quick witted, you know, nest to him that's I don't know, it was it was really interesting to watch and it was very entertaining, very different, and something I wanted to see more of. That much I knew. Okay. Uh yeah, I went to the movies movies and saw it. I, you know, read comics growing up and I was familiar with Iron Man, but I knew he wasn't uh, a, a major character, not not somebody, not somebody that a lot of people knew about. I mean, he wasn't, it wasn't like say Guardians of the Galaxy, which is was definitely uh, prior to the movie coming out was was something that a lot of people, a lot even a lot of just comic book fans didn't even know because it was a pretty small, you know, comic book, and yeah. Iron Man was much bigger than that, but still not one of those comic books that uh, had like a giant following, you know? So he was definitely second tier and I went and saw it because I saw the, the reviews were great and um, I thought, okay, fine. I'm going to give it a shot then. And I came away loving it. So Iron Man has uh, always had a special place in my heart, I think for a lot of reasons. And I'm definitely glad that we're going to be reviewing it uh, today because it's worth a review for sure yeah yeah definitely and um as like i got older and understood more of like who robert downey jr was and what this show really what he did for this show and what the show did for him man what a perfect pairing that was yeah you know uh before we get in into uh the plot and stuff i mean robert downey jr i I remember uh in the late nineties and into two thousands when I was in college, um, you know, he had gone away. He went away to prison for a while. Yeah. He had many, many run-ins with the law due to uh, drugs uh, throughout the, uh, the late eighties, the nineties, all the the whole nineties and into the two thousands. And, and finally they were like, we got to throw you in jail. Like we're putting you away for a while. And I can't remember exactly how long he was in prison, but he was in there for for a little while. And when he came out, you know, he was he was like toxic waste. You know, it was extremely difficult for him to get jobs. Um, people were just expecting him to do what he'd done before because he'd made promises before. He had yeah. said, "Oh, I'll, I'll change. I'm not going to do this," and and he always seemed to fail. So this whole this whole job was difficult. I mean. It took some convincing by John Favreau to get them to hire Robert Downey Jr. I mean, it seems crazy now, but at the time, it was a very, very difficult sell. It was a risk to take him on. To, 
because you, you never know. Like he, maybe he does stick through it through this first, you know, movie, and then if it does well and we go on, what happens if you know the fame gets to him again and he just relapses? You don't know. It's a risk either way. Yeah, I mean, obviously, given everything that Robert Downey Jr. has gone through in his life, it helps definitely helps inform the character of Iron Man or well, Tony Stark specifically. And that's what John Favreau wanted for this role. He felt that all the things that Robert Downey Jr. had gone through in his life would allow him to infuse some of that into Tony and yeah. ultimately create a more three-dimensional character. And, you know, hey, give credit where credit's due because John Favreau ended up being correct. Yes. And man, Robert Downey Jr. has just been the most incredible part of this like honestly he's been like the ship that's been carrying this into what it is now and it wouldn't be what it is now if it wasn't for him well it's no joke i mean if it wasn't for robert Downey jr sticking around he didn't have to do this for the last 11 years 12 years really yeah exactly Um, it will be well 11 years so it's been he's been doing this for quite some time um and I'm sure he's had times where he's probably thought about, you know, just saying, "Hey, I don't need this. It's a, it's a lot. It's a lot of time spent shooting these movies." Mm-hmm. I mean, even apart from the Iron Man movies, he's shot so many. You know, he spot, you know, uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. He has a big role in that. Of course, the Avengers movies. Uh, right there, you've got four additional movies that he has a major, major role in. Um, it's a lot of time spent shooting Iron Man, so. Uh, give him credit for sticking around. And Absolutely, he, he deserves it. Often a driving force when it came to contract negotiations for other cast members. There was a period of time, um, up until I think around 2014, that the guy that I think they had in in charge of, like obviously you had uh, you had other people above. Um, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. But basically, they were lowballing the Marvel actors, right? Yeah, they were paying Robert Downey Jr. this high wage, mm-hmm. but the other actors weren't getting paid as much. I remember this, that he was actually like, I'm not going to be Iron Man anymore if you don't pay the others what you're paying me. Yep. Like, everyone deserves the same pay. Yep, exactly. And and he didn't have to do that. And uh, I think that there's a lot of love, you know, for... Um, Robert Downey Jr. because the cast oh, yeah. knows that he went out on a limb for them. He didn't have to do that. Um, it's the right thing to do, but he still didn't. He didn't have to do that. Yeah. So, you know, good for for him. So, Absolutely. Uh, but anyway, let, let's get into this. So what makes this movie so good? If we look at the plot for Iron Man, um, one of the brilliant things they do is they start out with him. Um, he's in uh, the uh, the desert. He's already uh, on his way to a, a kind of a display of his power, like Stark Industries, huge deal. He's about to unveil some new weapon system, right? Yes. And he does all that, and then he's uh, he's in the this uh, the vehicle. He starts out in the vehicle, and a, a soldier takes a picture of him. They get a like a selfie kind of thing together. And then um, the the vehicles get attacked and the people around him get shot 
and ultimately um, one of his own weapons ends up landing right in front of him and blows up. It's his Stark Industries. Yeah. And then... And that's what launches shrapnel into uh, his chest, his heart. Right. And then we get a, we get kind of, we go back in time a little bit and then we see him doing this whole presentation to the generals and, you know, showing this new weapon that he's got and all this stuff. And then we flash back to what is now the present where he is in this cave. He's, um, he's in there with another guy, uh, a fellow prisoner. And these guys are both very intelligent, uh, inventors. And so ultimately he, uh, he is tasked with creating, you know, a, what were they uh, called? The Tom, uh, oh goodness, what was it called? It's like a tomahawk or something. Something, yeah, something like that, the tomahawk. And it's uh, by a guy named Raza, who is, you know, more or less forcing them to do this. So rather than uh, to then do that, and they've created this, you know, way of keeping the shrapnel from getting to his heart, right? This arc, yeah. arc reactor. Um, they create this suit of armor, you know, and it becomes the it's the forerunner of the Iron Man suit, right? Because it's just kind of cobbled together. Yeah, it's just a big chunky thing. And so he he manages to, they manage to escape. Uh, his his partner in this uh, whole thing uh, dies, and. He pretty much sacrificed himself so I so Tony can get away. Right, he does. Um, he sacrifices himself because his family's already dead, and so helping Tony out, um, yeah, is the thing that matters most. And it's uh the character itself is uh, Yinzen. Yes, yes. So Tony gets uh rescued, and uh, he's in the desert wandering. He gets rescued, and then. It change this thing changes him forever, and yep. if you look at it, reasons why Iron Man is such a good movie, it has a really fantastic story to tell, and it has a great hero's journey for Tony. And the brilliant thing that they do here is they take somebody who is clearly you know self centered, rich. He um, he he's someone who probably rarely ever gives anybody else a second thought. And he's confronted not only with having been more or less attacked by his own weapons, but he legitimately sees what these things do and the death that it causes. Yeah, the destruction, the lives it costs, all that stuff that comes for. And he's never been confronted with this before. And it changes him. And and having this experience... uh, in fact, the shrapnel, by the way, is being kept from his heart, you know, due to this arc reactor. Yeah. Um, it forces him to change, or at least it gives him the opportunity to change. And so when he gets back, he decides, you know, I'm, sh- I'm shutting down this whole weapons program, which his uh, partner, Obadiah Stain, who was uh, his father's partner as well. Um, it's not pleased. It's not pleased because they make a lot of money. It's, it's it's weapons contracts. I mean, they make gargantuan sums of money for Stark Industries. Yeah. And so he's not happy about it. But um, then we then we get introduced to Pepper Potts. I know you're not a Gwyneth Paltrow fan. Um, 
But I will say this. I actually don't dislike her in this movie. Um, <laughs> I, I, I know. I, I just, I, I feel like she does the role justice, at least in this movie. Um, she doesn't come across as, I, I don't know. She doesn't come, come across as annoying to me here. Uh, she no, seems, she's not annoying. She but... comes across as competent at her job. Yeah. She's an adequate character. She's not giving, you know, the same kind of performance that Robert Downey Jr. is giving, but you know, she does her part and does it, you know, fairly well. How hard <laughs> was that for you? Complimenting as that I could give. How hard was that for you to say? <laughs> it was bitter. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> yeah. So and we'll get into her acting later. No. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh. So yeah. So we have, um. We have Tony deciding he wants to go in a different direction, and he ends up starting to create this suit. The Mach 2. The Mach 2. And meanwhile, uh, he's uh, still playing the part of Tony Stark, going out to you know to functions. Um, there's a reporter with whom he sleeps with. Of course. Uh, because he's Tony. and uh, But ultimately, at the end of the day, we see Tony has changed. Um, I would say when it comes to the script, there is a lot of strengths. Uh, there's a lot of great writing. I think that, that dialogue is ad-libbed on uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s part. Uh, the characters seem pretty strong to me. Uh, even uh, Terrence Howard, right? He's a good actor, by the way, but as Rhodey, this is his first and only run as Rhodey. Who, yeah. who was replaced after after he he wanted more money, he wanted Robert Downey Jr. money, I believe, and they didn't want to give it to him. Yeah, and I've heard he's not the nicest person behind the camera in real life. That's just what I've heard. Rumors I've heard that he's not like the you know nicest person. Right. It could be speculation. You never know, but that's what I've heard. I've I've heard similar things. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, so anyway, Obadiah Stane uh, ends up being the bad guy in this movie. So, uh, and this is, is something that it gets criticized for. Uh, if you're talking about the negatives for the script for Iron Man, I mean, look, this script wasn't even done whenever they started filming. Yeah, that's kind of crazy and amazing that, that it came out the way it did. I mean, the fact that it did come out the way it did is pretty amazing, but... This uh, started, and it's not the worst of, by the way, the Marvel villains, right? I mean, the <laughs> Gobadiah Stane is actually a, a solid villain, but it is still not a great villain. And it, there was this habit for quite a long time, and thankfully Marvel has changed it up, that at this point in time, and, and we've seen it quite a bit moving forward, is that hero gets confronted with the mirror dark mirror image of themselves and we literally get that with obadiah stain because he he has a you know he takes one of tony's big sets of armor and or that's constructed and um literally iron man is fighting a bigger darker version of himself so you have yeah. that when it comes to the armor but you also have that to a certain degree of you know with obadiah stain i mean even to the point where Obadiah Stane comments how you know beautiful and wonderful Pepper Potts is, and how Tony doesn't appreciate her and doesn't know what he has. 
Uh, so clearly, Obadiah has the the hots for Pepper Potts, but <laughs> sure, if you're into walking corpses, fine. <laughs> wow, that's that is that's brutal. That's that brutal stuff. That is nice as a thing as I can say. Okay. Fair hey, sure to each their own. Fair, fair enough. But anyway, the point being that um, on top of the fact that. That Tony has um, some qualities that Obadiah has, or at least used to uh, have his qualities, um, mainly making money. Mm-hmm. It's it's clear that Obadiah also is wants Pepper Potts. So again, it, it all comes down to the, the mirror image of the hero, and that, that's yeah. a, that's effective. And- but it's not something that it's something that we've seen a lot from marvel and it wasn't particularly Afterwards, special yeah. here either you know i think that was the one thing that people criticized it was it was obadiah ultimately at the end and on top of that i think the end fight was it was okay it wasn't the best and i can see the complaints like can you find a way to end one of these movies that doesn't result in this giant battle between the hero and the villain that destroys you know a bunch of stuff yeah, and the other thing is too that he feels like he's villain. He's a villain for villainous sakes. Like there's he's no other purpose for him to exist other than to be the villain, and that there's no real reason why he is the way he is. He just is there, and he's bad, and that's you know his role in this. And you know they don't give much depth to him at all, and that's was their problem early in Marvel. Yeah, and that's a, definitely you kind of hit the nail on the head there. You know, I think as an actor, I mean, look, Jeff Bridges is he can act, he, he can He's give he can give depth to something that has no depth on page. Um, and I think he did as well as you could do with Obadiah Stane, given what we saw in the movie. But you're right, look, Obadiah, in terms of his motivation, I mean, if his motivation is just making more money or being the one in charge or the one calling the shots. It doesn't feel like it's a lot of motivation there. It doesn't feel like any guy, we didn't get any real insight into Obadiah as a, as a person. Uh, not enough that I felt like it was enough to do his character justice. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> it's nice to see, like, they had a few moments of, you know, where he has, like, this friendship with Tony, but it's nothing <laughs> to support who he is in this villainous role. Well, I mean, you can clearly tell, like, Obadiah, when Tony comes back, that, yeah, I mean, they probably had a great relationship when Tony was selling a bunch of weapons and make a bunch of money. And on his side. Right. But also, you know, we find out that all, that Obadiah is the one that actually hired the men to attack Tony. To kill yes, him. orchestrated so, it all. Orchestrated it all. So, Clearly, this whole thing was in the works for some time. He wanted to take Tony out anyway. So at the end of the day, I mean, Obadiah just ended up being a pretty bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. They've definitely corrected their errors, but that is like one of the only real things you can critique about the the script and the plot. I mean, apart from that, I'll, I'll be honest, it it doesn't have much in the way of weaknesses. Yeah, exactly. Because it, um, it's it's a funny script. It's 
quite hilarious actually at times very quick and smart and i'll be honest the i think the pacing for this movie is actually pretty great yeah it's it's one of the stronger one of the strongest things about this is you know they keep in good accurate pacing you get the occasional where it feels like they're kind of stopping the motion Mm. and unfortunately that just it happens you can't really outrun it when it comes to like a movie that's kind of starting out this whole universe and doesn't even know it like it's just gonna happen but on the whole pacing is pretty top notch i mean especially for a movie that you know they didn't know where the hell they were going with it while they were shooting (laughs) i mean that's for it to turn out with good pacing that's pretty good (laughs) yeah they did um I mean, obviously they did a lot of scripting then the day of if it wasn't being ad-libbed they were kind of working on it as they went along but um said uh director john favreau acknowledged that this film this made the film having the script not completed made the film feel more natural some scenes were shot with two cameras to capture lines improvised on the spot uh, Rob Downey Jr. would ask for many takes of one scene since he wanted to try something new, whereas Gwyneth Paltrow, on the other hand, had a difficult time trying to match Downey with suitable line as she never knew what he was going to say. Yeah, well, she's just not as quick. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, I can see your tent on destroying her. Um, Crazy is... goop person. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 yeah, okay, I can. I can understand that. Um, this was Marvel Studios' first self-financed movie. Um, there, it took roughly 450 separate pieces to make up the Iron Man suit. Uh, John Favreau celebrated getting the job as director by going on a diet and losing 70 pounds. Where, you know, most people would probably go out, have a few drinks, and have, like, a big-ass meal and celebrate that way. Yeah, it's pretty awesome that this dude like is like, okay, yeah, this is awesome. I'm gonna go get healthy and make sure that like I last through this. <laughs> it's kinda awesome. Yeah, it is. You went the different route. So yeah. kudos uh, to him. During pre production, Robert Downey Jr. set up an office next to John Favreau's office to discuss the role with him and to be more involved in the film's screenwriting. And uh the last bit of uh info here is the fact that it took Approximately 17 years to get the film into development. Originally, Universal Pictures was to produce the film in April 1990. Later, sold the rights to 20th Century Fox. Later, Fox sold the rights to New Line Cinema. And finally, Marvel Studios decided to handle their own creation. So ultimately, smart move. Yes, it was. So it led to everything afterwards. (laughs) Yeah. and, And look, in this script, we get a lot of little stuff. You know, we get Clark Gregg showing up as Agent Coulson who uh, he was supposed to actually be just a brief character, but they liked his character so much in the movie, they started to expand his role more and more, and he became what he became. So kudos to Clark Gregg for taking a small role and turning it into something more. It pays off to be equally likable off-camera as you are on-camera. Right. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, for Jarvis, Paul Bettany didn't even know what film he was doing the voice for. Um, <laughs> he has never seen the movie, by the way. What? He has never That's seen. Crazy. He has never seen the movie. He got paid. He 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 did his lines in two hours. He said he got paid an obscene amount of money, and then after he got done like recording all this, he went on vacation with Jennifer Connelly, some beach location vacation. So. Good, he has the perfect life. <laughs> pretty good. 
I mean, I'd like to do that. <laughs> Go hang with Jennifer Connelly. That would be just the life. Yes, in fact, that is correct. <laughs> and I love that. Like, I'll still rave about this. That in Spider-Man, I think it was Spider-Man Homecoming. She's the voice of uh, the in the suit. Yeah, yeah, I think I couldn't remember which Spider-Man was, but yeah, the fact that she's his suit voice was awesome. That's, Karen, I think it was. It's it's nice uh, symmetry there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, shall we get into ratings, or is there more trivia? Uh, no, that's it. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to bring up about the script. I, I think I just want to say that, um, you know, for how the script was put together, apart from how it all came together. I just feel like at the end of the day, I just, again, want to mention, this is a really good script. It was well-constructed, well-put-together. There's a clear three-act structure here to the script. Um, maybe the back end isn't as strong as the first two two uh, parts of the script, the first two acts, but you know, ultimately, this is still a very polished-feeling script. I mean, yes, there was a lot of ad-libbed lines and stuff, but... You know, it doesn't, if you wouldn't have known that ahead of time, you would still, you wouldn't think that this was a script that wasn't finished when they started filming. Yeah, it feels like a solid, it had a solid foundation already laid down. It was just like the fine detail that they were kind of adding into it. But it already had like that, it feels like it had a strong support to it. Yeah, I mean, look, they knew the story they were telling. It wasn't like they were making the story up as they went along. I mean, they knew the events that were going to play out, they just simply yeah. didn't write like a lot of the dialogue and, and things like that were not done. So that's why they improvised a lot of lines. So, um, yeah, so let's, let's get down to doing our grades here. Um, so Sarah, why don't you give me your script grade? All right. So for the script, I gave it a solid 80 and that's, because, you know, I think a lot of the script is absolutely fantastic. Um, I think the only knockdowns I could really give it was for some, like, I don't know if it was cliche back in, like, 11 years ago, but some of the, like, you know, the typical toxic rich behavior with some cliche lines and, and behavior. Um, and just, you know, it's just some oddball lines that's also just kind of, like, doesn't feel like it was right for the moment or right in its place. But that was it. On the whole, the script is like super solid. And the fact that I didn't even know that a lot of the lines were ad-libbed, the fact that they did that, that's pretty awesome. Uh, Especially like Robert Downey Jr. A lot of those lines, they're really quick and they seem really like witty and you don't know if it was scripted or not, but I have a feeling it was probably just Robert being Robert. Mm -hmm. So I think 80 is definitely deserved. Okay. Um, I'm just gonna call you a hater, and and, <laughs> and that's just. We'll, we'll, I think we'll, 80s we'll, pretty we'll, good. We'll, we'll leave. We'll leave it at it. Uh, you'll leave you at the hater stage. Um, wow. Um. All right. So <laughs> let's move on to to the acting here. Um, well, what's your script grade? Oh, that's right. I forgot to give my script grade. Uh, I gave it an 88. <laughs> See, you're still in the 80s with me. Yeah, I'm in the high. I'm not a hater. I'm, I'm in the high 80s. Thank you very much. <laughs> Okay. You're still in the ballpark. Mm. Well, anyway. Um so anyway, yeah, look, uh 
I think it's just uh, the, I think the script is get, is excellent. I think the only reason it's not in the '90s is because of the third act. It's um, an okay act. I don't think I think Obadiah could have been a better. Uh, I think I could have found a way to wrap up the story in a way that was a stronger um, ending. It didn't necessarily require uh, a giant fight, <laughs> but ultimately, um, it's still didn't undo the movie it didn't it basically it didn't pull on wonder woman for me yeah so um all right so moving on to acting so look i mean robert Downey jr here uh he is clearly the standout performance of this movie all right i mean he he this is the movie that really made him a household name and there's really no getting around it because you have to understand something i mean he is a he was a Oscar nominated actor, you know, well before this movie ever came out. He was uh, nominated for Chaplin, I think, back in around nineteen ninety two or mm-hmm. nineteen ninety three, and you know, he so he had the talent and the accolades, and he'd been in some really good movies throughout the years. But but this is the one that really kind of changed everything, and you know, it, it made him a star, uh, made him a bankable actor. I mean, he he went from this movie and then became uh, one of those actors that could kind of get almost whatever kind of role he wanted in a smaller movie and something a little more focused on character and things like that. So, you know, ultimately, this movie made him kind of what he is today and he has a lot to be to be thankful for but in terms of um acting in this movie uh, he gives the best performance obviously easily from everybody else i mean this is this oh God, is yeah. if this wasn't a superhero movie he might be nominated for uh, an oscar for something like yeah. this um but everyone else, I think, does great. I mean, look, Jeff Bridges is Jeff Bridges. End of story. Okay, <laughs> right. like the guy could, the guy could act anything out, and he could he could read from a dictionary, and I'd be enthralled. Yeah, um, sitting in a cardboard box on the street, just it would be just interesting to watch because it's Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Um, you know, yes, for for uh, I don't know about Terrence Howard again you you know we've both read things but I think he does a good job here as Rhodey uh Gwyneth Paltrow I, I thought she did a a good job here um yeah I mean altogether I I, I don't think anybody did a bad job I really did I didn't see any weak links I didn't feel like anybody um nobody was phoning it in you know it felt like everybody came to play and were intent on bringing the best of their abilities to this movie. And uh, so I give the acting a 90. Holy moly. That's a strong score right there. Well, I guess, uh, I guess Gwyneth pulls it down 15 points, right? <laughs> Not 15 points, but a few points for sure. Um, I, On the whole, I definitely agree with everything you said. Um, Tony Stark, or Robert Tanny Jr. is Tony Stark. He honestly makes this movie i mean if you'd chosen anybody else we may not have the universe we have honestly he truly made this interesting to watch and the lines he delivers are just fantastic he is the absolute strength of this movie and the only people that have the odd not as great acting as everybody else is terrence howard and probably Greta Beltro. and it's only it, 
it's probably because of what you talked about that she was trying to ad lib along with him. But I always felt like, you know, she delivered these lines and, you know, they feel good, but her eyes are kind of dead. And I think that's probably because of what you're talking about that she had to try and keep up with him. So I can't knock her too much as much as I want to, but she did her part and she did it well. So I give acting an 83. I'm not a hater. <laughs> uh, okay. Sure. Right. 83. <laughs> right. I'm just going to get okay. some like, gonna... hate mail in the middle of the night. <laughs> yes. Yes. I know your Twitter hate to Sarah. <laughs> All right. So uh, moving on to directing. So directing, I think um, John Favreau uh, really knocked this out of the park. Uh, I think the direction is incredibly strong. I think there's a lot of great um, shot selection here um, in the cave sequence, even in the in the Humvee. Um, there's a real intent, especially in the first 20 minutes of the movie, 25 minutes of the movie, of really being up close on Ronnie Robert Downey Jr.'s face. We really get in as close as we can to really get um, introduced to his character and to feel some sense of who he is and it's a really great choice i think um you see a lot of up close shots um and then you know once we get out and we get back you still feel like there's there's this uh, intent on making sure that uh we feel like we are close to the characters and uh the the, the fight sequences are great uh, the flying sequences are great i know it uses a lot of cgi and stuff but um the lighting is fantastic. The production design is amazing. I mean, it's just a well put together film and the directing has a lot to do with that. And I, I think this is one of John Favreau's best directed movies. I mean, uh, Jungle Book is, is quite, quite good. Uh, probably on par and, uh, Elf for a lot of people is, well, it's a classic for a lot of people. So, Chris but, is classic. But ultimately, you know, the directing here is just outstanding stuff. Um, he really deserves the accolades and deserved and still does deserve the accolades for this. So anyway, I gave it a 90 for directing. All right. At least you'll be happy with me on this one because I gave it the exact same score. Uh, yeah, 90 as well. And it's because, you know, you don't feel like anything faltered in this movie. And despite he made the hard choices about the movie. He pushed for having Robert Downey Jr. And it was absolutely the right choice. And it paid off big time for him. And everything looks fantastic. Uh, it holds up. It's 11 years later. Um, everything about this movie feels great. And like the shots, as you're talking about, especially like the close-up shots, like a lot of them were a little bit intimate when they had to be. And when they are not, they, you know, it's to be, it's to complement the dialogue that's going on. It's really well done. So I totally agree with you. It's a definitely a 90. You're lucky. Cease hate mail. <laughs> you're, you're lucky. All right. So moving on uh, to special effects. So um, the special effects are, were fantastic. And I'll be honest to this day, I'm actually really impressed by the special effects. There are, there are a few shots now, which don't quite hold up to you know like they did maybe back in 2008 but mm -hmm. man you know i gotta be honest there's still some shots with iron man in the suit that look 
better than even the stuff I've seen in the latest of uh, Avengers movie. Um, yeah. It's really, really top notch work here and it, and it really holds up. I mean, it does um, better than I thought. So anyway, I gave the special effects in 91. Oof. Very nice. Um, I agree with you. I think they definitely hold up after all this time. There are, of course, a couple of scenes I noticed that don't hold up as well, like um, where he, the machine is taking the suit off of him and Pepper Potts comes in and he's like, this isn't the worst thing you see me doing. That you could totally tell like a little bit aged on the CGI and a few other scenes. But I think on the whole, like, damn, like it really holds up. And especially for a movie that was just kind of out of nowhere, you got the budget it really deserved and they put a lot of that into the CGI and making sure it looks as good as it could. So I gave it an 85. Okay. And on to pacing. So uh, I said earlier, I thought this was a very well-paced movie. Um, just the way it opens, um, the way we're given information, uh, the first you know portion in this movie, you know, showing Tony, uh, finding out who his weapons are being sold to the cost um the ramifications of of selling weapons and then coming back and seeing his journey you know from you know learning all this to becoming iron man and uh, then watching you know obadiah do his thing it, it's a very well told story and the, the the story uh flows naturally and at a a good pace there isn't a lot of, I think, what I would call dead weight in this movie. Um, I, I think there's maybe a, a little bit of editing here and there they could have done. And, of course, I think the the third act needs to be reworked. But that's m- more from a script standpoint, in my opinion, um, as opposed to an editing um, standpoint. But still, I think overall they could have cut out a little bit here and a little bit there throughout the movie to kind of make it a little tighter. Um, but overall, this is a very, very well-paced movie, uh, given an 88. Yeah, that's a good score. I totally agree. There's not too many pacing problems I have. There's a couple scenes that I feel like kind of slowed the momentum. But as, on a whole, I mean, I mean, the pacing's pretty, pretty decent. And I mean, the 80s as well, I gave it an 81. Don't hate too much. <laughs> You're intent on bringing this, this score down. <laughs> I'm that's, sorry. That's what you do. You bring it. You bring me. You're bringing me down. You bring down the things you like. <laughs> Jeez, eighty-one. Sorry. Okay. So rewatchability for me, while rewatchability is is ninety. Um, this mm-hmm. is one of those movies that uh, I have no trouble watching this at all. I mean, I can throw it on whenever. And I can catch it halfway through and I'll probably finish it off if it's, you know, on TV and I happen to see it. And if I have nothing pressing to do, um, I'll I'll finish watching it wherever it's at in the movie, whether it's in the middle, if it just started, uh, if it's in the, the final, you know, 20 minutes, it doesn't matter. Um, so it's got a high rewatchability for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, what was your rewatchability score? 90. 90. Okay, yeah. So my rewatchability score is an 80. And that's because I'm definitely a very different movie watching type person. 
I based it on pretty much there's just like the, you know, the chance I'm going to watch it in this year. It's probably a high chance. So I gave it an 80 because I would definitely probably watch this within the next year. Most likely. Okay. All right. Um, so yeah, this, uh, the, the overall grade for me is an 89, uh, in the overall grade for you is an 84. All right. So <laughs> a little bit of a difference. The, the little bit you brought, you brought everything <laughs> sorry i'm dragging your score down dragging my score down um no i mean hey that's that's fine it's what we do here it's yeah it's uh it's a good thing breaker sure as hell brought down my labyrinth score that's correct so the overall <laughs> score is an 86 for iron man so 10 points above imdb so i think we're accurate yeah, I mean, yeah, I I think it, it it's a movie that um, I think there's reason why it's been used or was used for some time as a template. Oh, because yeah. it it was successful and critically well received, so you can see that this movie really, um, you know, and a lot of the movies that came afterwards, it was the template for um, you know, the hero's journey for the characters. In, in the general movie itself. I mean, look at Doctor Strange. I mean, Doctor Strange is basically Tony Stark, but a physician. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Seriously. Um, it's so true. And even like the actor himself, Benedict Cumberbatch, is very, very Robert-esque. I mean, clearly it was something that they, they knew when they were making yeah. it. I mean, how could, you, how could you not, you know? Yeah, exactly. So... Yeah. But at least they chose Rachel McAdams to be his you know, kind of counterpoint. She's a much better choice than Gwyneth Paltrow. Wow. <laughs> why don't you just why don't you just go Throw kill, in some shade here. Why don't you go kill Gwyneth? Apparently that's your goal. She, she can exist just far away from me. <laughs> and away from my movies. Yeah. Okay. Go back with Chris Martin. <laughs> well, apparently she's moved on, so that's uh, enough quiz, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's it for this review of Iron Man. Um, we'll be back next week for another review. Um, we're not quite sure. We're going to do another Marvel movie, so look out for that. Um, I'm not quite sure what we're going to do. Probably Iron Man two. <laughs> maybe, maybe we might. We might do Iron Man too, so look out for that. So, all right, everyone, thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time on the Freaking Geeks podcast. Later, geeks. Thanks for listening to the Freaking Geeks podcast. Be sure to visit freakinggeeks.com as well as our Patreon page at patreon.com slash freakinggeeks for more great content. Also, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Trust us, it really helps. Now, if you'd like to write into the podcast and share your thoughts and ask questions, you can do so by sending your email to freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com. You can contact Michael on Twitter using at Michael underscore Lanich. You can contact Sarah on Twitter using at Labyrinth Rose or at Freak Geeks. Intro music for this episode is Danger Storm by Kevin McLeod, which can be found at incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Outro music is Nowhere Land 
by Kevin McLeod, which can be found at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons, by Attribution 3.0 license. You can also find the attribution in the episode description as well.